This is John Hockenberry in Mexico City, and let's leave you this week with one of our discoveries here in Mexico City. It's apparent in this community of more than 20 million people living in a valley, that's how much it's been struggling to deal with the consequences of its size. Mexico's polluted air today is much improved from a generation ago. An aggressive top-down government action has stabilized a place with a reputation for once being out of control. Today, every citizen has some level of green mentality, it's called, and some of the most important programs to make Mexico City livable these days are small-scale initiatives. Reporter Adrian Florido of the Fronteras Radio Project has been here this week taking a look at a green movement at the grassroots that starts with a pretty basic education for all about Mexico City's environmental predicament. You know, a lot of kids who live in the city don't even know that it's surrounded by mountains because so many of the days out of the year it's uh, filled with fog, uh, or covered in, in, in haze. On the ground here, what evidence do you have that this city of 21.5 million is doing the kinds of things that might enable it to survive this century, which is really the issue for cities of this size all over the world? Sure. I mean, in the last day and a half or so that I've spent um, going around the city looking for uh, ways that people are trying to improve the environment. There have been all kinds of things I've seen. Um, there's an expansion of public transportation that's going on. Um, there are interesting bike share programs that have been launched recently. And then there are also pr- private initiatives that citizens on the ground are undertaking on their own just to try to improve their small corners of Mexico City. Bike sharing is a concept that came to New York City just within the last week. Um, but it's something that's been going on here for a while. What did you experience? Um, well, they've had a bike share program in Mexico City for a little bit more than two years now. Um, And there are several thousand bikes uh, that are shared across the city. And literally people can just come up to one of these bicycle corrals, uh, swipe their card, pick up a bicycle, and take it to just about any other part of the city which has these corrals and drop them off. So I've spoken with a a few people who say that they've had really positive experiences with with it overall. Positive experiences, and we're going to hear it a little bit because people can just shed the entire notion of traffic, which everybody else thinks about 24-7 in this city, right? Right. I mean, it's impossible to go anywhere in this city, really, at any, almost at any time of the night without uh, hitting traffic someplace. You know, here in Mexico City, there's there's almost this expectation when you're going to meet someone uh, for coffee or for lunch or even for a business meeting that you're probably going to be late. The question really is scale here. It's going to take more than one, two, or even 20,000 bikes to make a difference here. You've talked with some people who have some really big numbers. Right. So uh, I also spoke with uh, an architect um, who is a young guy, um, lives in the city, and has lived here his entire life. I mean, he got to thinking about um, all of the green space deficiencies that Mexico City has in a city of 20, 21 million people. So here's architect Fernando Ortiz talking about some of the green space deficiencies that Mexico City faces. Uh, Right now, we have 3.7 square meters per capita of green areas. The minimum amount that the UN recommends uh, for each citizen, it is 16. And that means we are way below because we don't have any space left to recover these green areas. Let me do the math here. So uh, the UN says that Mexico City needs to triple or even quadruple the amount of green space for every person here in the city. So every person needs to have a, a, a little park uh, of 8, 10, 
20 square meters. Right. I mean, that seems nearly impossible, right? When you think about it, I mean, if you go to the center of Mexico City, it is an absolutely dense place. Um, and it's really impossible to find any kind of space at all to put more green space in. Um, so he's developed this concept um, in the last decade or so called the vertical garden, which essentially um, creates gardens out of walls. You are literally installing um, and planting plants into this velvet panel that then gets affixed to the sides of buildings. It's even found its way onto sculptures in public places. And the idea is to try to reduce the impact of all this carbon dioxide that's being emitted into the atmosphere here. It's interesting because this architect who wants to create 100 million square feet of parkland doesn't want to do it with bulldozers. He has a different idea. They've only installed about sixteen to 18,000 um, square meters of this uh, vertical garden space across the entire city. Um, if you do the calculations based on the UN, you need 100 million in order to reach that minimum threshold, which by their calculations will take more than 1,000 years. So um, he wants to try something a little bit different. I want 20 million people that live in Mexico City, each one of these people building five square meters. So 20 million times five, that's 100 million, and he thinks that everyone in the city does that, um, they can reach this target. It's obviously really idealistic, this technology is still quite expensive, but the firm is getting ready in, in, in short order to um, release this technology essentially free of charge uh, and teach people how to do this so that this uh, transformation that he hopes Mexico City will undergo can, can get started. And with the right incentives, it's possible that a ground-up program would have more power and sustainability than something that's trying to be imposed from above. I'm wondering, in your travels around, are you also seeing signs that the city, even in the 21st century, is making some of the same mistakes that got it into some of the problems in the 20th century? A lot of the people that I've spoken with, both including taxi drivers, this architect, and just other people on the street, have said that, yeah, the city has made a lot of progress, and it continues to make progress. But in some ways, it's 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 got this kind of um, unfortunate bipolar kind of um, uh, mentality because um, at the same time that some of these investments have been made in public transit, um, the city is still expanding highways. Um, in the last few years, there's been intensive construction of, of these double-decker highways, which are really strange things to see. Um, you've got this highway that already exists kind of running through the middle of the city and around the edges of the city. Um, and then literally the city is constructing a second level to these highways. So um, you've got miles and miles of these double-decker highways to try to relieve some of this traffic. What everyone seems to be saying is that's not the solution because the city is growing at such a rate that within short order, those those uh, thoroughfares are going to be just as congested as the existing ones. Well, they say in a city of this size, a brand new road is congested on the first day that it opens. Do you think this is a moment of hope here in Mexico City? I'm getting a sense that people are a little bit excited about the future in, in a way that they haven't been for quite some time. You know, I think I think there are because there are so many. This is a moment of hope because there are so many private initiatives that people are beginning to undertake. Um, initiatives like the vertical gardens. Other people are encouraging people to uh, build uh, gardens on their rooftops. Um, there are people who are ditching cars and and adopting bicycles at a time when getting a car is easier than it, buying a car is easier and cheaper than it ever has been in Mexico. Um, and so I think on on on. Uh, from from the point of view of a lot of private citizens, um, especially the, the younger um, demographic, people are hopeful that, you know, if everyone kind of steps up, that they can really make this change. We've been speaking to our reporter on the ground here in Mexico City, Adrian Florido of the Fronteras Collaborative Radio Project. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, John. John Hockenberry there reporting from Mexico City. John, you'll be coming back home with some more stories from Mexico. What can we look forward to next week? 
Well, we'll bring you a celebration. We're going to take you to a place where the feel of old Mexico is everywhere, but the pain of families separated by migration to and from the United States has become a real serious social problem. We'll have a heartbreaking family separation story next week, and we want you out there to think about that. So often families make the decision to separate for the good of the children realizing much later consequences that are permanent for everyone in the family. Share your stories at thetakeaway.org or call us at 877-8MY-TAKE.